Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. When you come to East Lansing, you can see it and you can feel it. And that's what we are recruiting off of, and that's what we know to be true, and we're seeing a lot of success with that. It's all about just advancing the program forward, which is uh, always going to be very important to me to try to stay ahead and be a trailblazer. You've got to be solution-based. If something comes up, the answer has to be, I'll get it done. Got rid of it, but it's picked, and it will be a touchdown for Darian Harris. Darian Harris in the Spiro Avenue studio again. This is a long time coming. You were here when we were just a pile of wires and no cameras, and like my mom and a few other people. <laughs> you're back now. We're we're a little bit bigger than before, and we're a little bit more glitzy. I'm hoping you're impressed. That was the main goal with everything we've done here. Look, I'm just going to get right into it. It's great to have you back, man, honestly. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. Um, the setup's awesome. You know, it's it's definitely fantastic to to be here. You know, I wanted to dress the part today. You know, <laughs> I wanted to make sure I know there's there's a there's a big uh, audience out there. So definitely did wanted to make sure that uh, I, I fit the mold and um, represented well for today. Uh, you broke the mold, actually, Darian. So, uh, look, I, I want to get right into what I think is kind of the big news of the day, news of the week, whatever. The past 72 hours the talent accumulation that we've seen. I think just from my conversations with Justin Thind and other well-sourced people around the program, it was anticipated that this would go pretty well, but there's a little bit of pleasant surprise, even for optimistic people with how it's gone. Other than your favorite tight end, can you talk about <laughs> the talent that's been added here? Just generally, like it's been a good week for Michigan State football, is it not? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And obviously, you can't talk specifics until until signing day. But but just the overall, you know, way we approach recruiting is is that we will recruit every day. And I think that Mel Tucker has been very adamant about that, and the fan base understands that. Spartan Nation understands that. But you know, when it's getting down to the nitty gritty, you know, signing day is next week, um, and and you're looking on on whether it's twenty four seven arrival. Or, or wherever you're looking at what the class is and you know maybe you're, you're not necessarily seeing what you know you, you anticipated to see you know you can always feel safe knowing that we're led by coach Mel Tucker who is a recruiting guru and recruiting genius so you got to understand that we're going to always we always know what we're doing at the end of the day um, we're, we're always thinking about how can we add the right people you know to our to our organization in terms of who fits the mold as a Spartan dog and uh, and we feel like we're always able to do that so we're really excited about this class um, look I tell everybody that's a part of the 2023 class that I'm looking forward to the record of most wins of all time which my class holds to be broken and then I feel like the 23 class has an opportunity to do that um, and that's what we're we're focused on because if you're winning 44 games which would break the record that means you're winning championships in terms of the timeline of the chaos I'm fascinated by this aspect of it is it like we had I know you can't talk about specifics but let's say there was a recruit that said four o'clock yesterday I'm going to make my announcement yep. and you're in on that is I mean just not even Michigan State but just in general are coaches calling that kid like at 358 right up to the wire or is it kind of like he woke up it's resolved and like what's just the general timeline is it more chaotic right to the end was it 
or is it crazier two weeks ago and now everything's kind of decided? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, like you said, the time frame and uh, and the specific recruit at the end of the day. You know, you know, some uh, recruits love to be quartered all the way up to the buzzer. So it's really important that, that we understand that and we know that. So we're making sure that, you know, if they if there's somebody that wants to be talked to to the ninth hour to the last minute, you're on the phone with them. Um, some are like, hey, I'm in, you know, I, I want to shut this down early. You don't have to worry about anything. You know, others are like, you know, I want to do this in more of a, of a silent manner. Um, I don't want a lot, a lot of hoopla around it. So it's just it, it varies by by the by the by the recruit, by the family. Uh, so you have to know those things. You know, it's part of the research that we do to understand, like, OK, what does this specific recruit want? You know, if you're not doing that, if you're not getting to the nitty gritty of that information, um, then, then really you're not you're not recruiting at the end of the day not at a high level. If you're giving me a number like an average and I know it varies, you know, so that's why I'm asking for yeah. an average. How many people are you talking to? per recruit i mean obviously the recruit himself yep you know parents you know if, if both parents yep. picture both parents quote-unquote handlers i right. said coach what's the average number how many kind of cooks are in this yeah decision kitchen? you know this day and age it's a lot more than than it used to be you know so i would say on average you know you, you're probably talking to more closer to seven to ten people um because you got like you said you have the immediate support system which is the family um, you know, it could be parents, could be grandparents, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, you know, whoever's that immediate, you know, guardian or, or whoever's kind of raising the, the recruit. Then after that, you're looking at high school coaches, you're looking at uh, trainers, you know, everybody's got a per, an individual trainer now. And then what we're finding is uh, a lot of folks are, are relying on the trainer to really be a major part of the process, whereas that didn't always the case. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a, a trainer, you know, when, when I was in high school, I had my dad, you know, so dad was handling every single role there, but now there's, there's, there's trainers. There's of course, high school coaches, there's, you know, handlers, whatever that means. Um, there's the immediate family. Uh, and then sometimes it's teammates, you know, sometimes it's friends, you know, so it, it is definitely blossomed that these folks are coming in with a massive support system, which is good. You want these, you want people to have a big support system behind it. But again, you have to know who are the decision makers in the, in the, uh, in the, in the equation, uh, and, and who was the recruit leaning on the most. You got to know that. Is it frustrating dealing with so many people, especially when we've seen, you know, Michigan State with Golston back in the day, you know, the mom didn't want to sign the letter of intent, I believe was mm -hmm. the story. And, you know, I, and there's other examples, too, where the dad wants this place, the kid wants this place, the mom wants this place, the handler wants this place. Does that get frustrating to not have sort of a centered person to even cater to? Because you're catering to multiple personalities that right. may be completely conflicting, right? Not necessarily, because I think at the end of the day, that's what recruiting is. You know, you're, you're marketing your program and say, we will check every box, you know, so uh, whatever it is that everybody's looking for, because that, that that's when it gets dicey. You know, each person's got a different idea of what is the most important for their, you know, for the recruit that they are in support of. We want to make sure that we're showing that we check every box. So we talk about that all the time. You know, when we have a visit, when we have somebody on is, you know, we will find a way to check every box for you. And, and I say it all the time, whatever is the future future that you're trying to build, we're going to help you build that. So whatever it is you're looking for, we can create that at Michigan State. So it, it doesn't get frustrating because that that's that's just recruiting it in there. It's, it's marketing. You know, you should be able to market your program to everybody. Uh, and we have ways to do that. One of my favorite guests ever, who I'm sure you know, even though she's since left us, Lauren McCree, mm -hmm. who's since departed the Northwestern. But and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but she explained it that the Michigan State pitch is the Michigan State pitch. We're Absolutely. gonna get you ready for the NFL if that's you know in the cards for you. You know, we have all this NFL experience on the staff. 
We're going to be tough on you, push you hard, but in a good way, we're going to be there for you. So that is kind of the same, no matter who you're talking to. It's it's more around the edges where that customization took place. I mean, she mentioned Kate Hauser was on campus. They got wind that he wanted to be a surgeon, which I mean, that might be the least surprising information. No doubt. Ever. No, 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 no kid, doubt. The kid was splitting the atom here at 17, like sitting in the chair that you're <laughs> I mean, just so wise beyond his years. But, you know, Warren helped set him up with a physician right. through the Michigan State medical school so it's just things like that is that kind of a fair like your message is your message right. it's just kind of around the edges right yeah absolutely i mean you, you of course have your overarching message which is just kind of what the program is based on the culture and 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 the you know the core values and what the program stands for but outside of that you have to have that customization because every recruit is different and i think that is part of our brand as a program you know we again we are helping you build a future that you want for yourself it's not the future that we see for you the future you want wants for yourself. So what you're interested in, what you want to get out of the college experience, we're going to build that uh, around your visit, of course. But also when you get here, you know, we're going to back up what, what you say, you know, I mean, Caleb Coley, for example, he's interested in engineering uh, and and walked past the, the Broad Art Museum and said, this is a really cool building. I want to go on it. So we went on the tour during his visit. You know, it's it's those types of things. No other recruit has ever asked to go on a tour of the art museum. But he wanted to go on a tour of the art museum. So you take him in there, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you, you have to be able to, to cater to what these recruits want to do because they're young men, you know, 17 years old coming on a visit uh, and, and they have their future ahead of them. But the next four years truly is going to set up the next 40 years of their life. And we want to make sure that they are truly building out that future for themselves. So whatever it is, we know we have it at Michigan State and can offer it. There's a pond I always dip into when I have a Michigan State football guest on. It's every player, especially, has such a reverence for Mel Tucker. It is like they're talking about a celebrity. I mean, Kenneth Walker, Connor Hayward, who had, you know, D'Antonio before, as you did. You know, Hauser and Bernard, everyone is just, oh, it's it's Mel Tucker. It's like like they're talking about Humphrey Bogart or something (laughs) a hundred years ago. I'm you called him. I think it was a master recruiter, expert recruiter, whatever, whatever it was. Why? Like, why? What? What is? How is he so good at what he does in that recruiting lane? What? What is different about him? Why are guys in studio here talking about him as if he's like almost somewhere between a a god and man? I mean, that's just their perception. Why is that the perception of him? It's just the confidence he moves with. You know, that's something that you want to emulate and and learn from. You know, he moves with this this confidence that that is is it radiates off of him and and because of the way that he's able to you know present information facilitate information communicate you know it not only do you believe every word he says then he goes and he backs it up so uh just the the way again that he carries himself uh that he's constantly learning that he's constantly growing and then he's constantly teaching you know he's a teacher at the end of the day as well you know his big thing is communicate educate resources so the people that he's working with whether it's his players it's his staff you know he's always going to be in in constant you know teaching mode um as well as building confidence not just to, you know with himself but the people around him and when you're when you're in a presence like that you can't help but pick up on that and be like okay well i want to move like that you know i want to make sure that that that's kind of how I'm emulating what I do. So, you know, I love the time I get to spend with them just because of what I learn. Every single incident, good, bad, or indifferent that, that we have as a program, I'm learning something from him on, on how to handle a situation uh, and, and how to move accordingly. You know, he seems to always be one step ahead. Uh, and, and that's the same thing that, that happens in recruiting. Some years ago now, it's the year Brandon Dawson went down, I think on senior day, but Remember, Michigan State basketball was playing Ohio State at the Breslin. Again, I think it was the last game of the year. And they lost unexpectedly. 
And they had a couple of recruits that were highly coveted on campus. And I was friendly with a couple of the staffers. But I was talking to one of the Michigan State assistant basketball coaches. And I just sent him a text after the game saying, uh, you know, bummer about the game, bummer about Brandon, and also bummer, you know, you had half your top yeah. recruits in the, in the house. And he said, the last thing you said doesn't really matter. He's like, we're sad about Dawson. We're sad about right. losing the game. It's it's overstated, he explained to me, the whole, oh, we're going to lose in front of our recruits. I'm curious as it relates to, obviously, the performance speaks for itself in terms of the recruiting. You guys are doing a really good job outpacing even high expectations. But did these struggles this year in 2022 on the field come up at all? Do these kids not care? Is that not the conversation? Is that overrated, underrated, what actually happens the year that they are being recruited by the program? I think it's a little overrated. You know, obviously you want to have success on the field and you want to win. And 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 when you're coming off of a, a winning season, a lot of success on the field, you can point to that as as, you know, reasons, of course, to to commit to to a certain school. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone's looking for the best opportunity for them. And and the way that we're able to talk about our program is you will be a part of the success here, you know, which we wholeheartedly believe. So when when you're when you're looking at at it from that lens, I, I agree. You know, it, it is a little bit overstated because, you know, nobody's ever gone undefeated, you know, at the end of the day. And and the, the notion that you have to win when you have, you know, a lot of recruits on on campus, that's not necessarily the case. The, 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 what you want to show is the experience. You know, you want to show the experience of being a student athlete at your respective university and what comes with that, you know, and at the end of the day, the football piece, albeit incredibly important and wins and losses are, are very important. That's not everything that is the student athlete experience. There's a whole lot more that goes into the student athlete experience that I think a lot of folks probably on the outside overlook, you know, and it's, it's easy to overlook it because you're yes. not in that, in that spot. We see what we see. Right. We're, exactly. we're just the fans. We mm -hmm. see win, loss. Right. Win, the recruit must be happy. Right. Loss, the recruit of must course. be bad. That's and, all and, we and, see. And as a competitor, yeah. as, as, our, as our student athletes, and of course our coaches and the staff is, nobody wants to win more than us. You know, there, there's nobody that that in, in the fan base that wants to win more than us. There's nobody that it means more to than the folks that are inside the walls. But at the same time, we know that you have to learn how to bounce back from adversity and you have to be able to recruit through if, even if you have a difficult season. So it's just, again, it's about showing the process that we have. It's about showing our culture and about showing what you're going to be a part of. And what you're going to be a part of is a, is, a, is a growing program that's going to have a lot of success. And we want you to be a part of that. I mean, I agree with everything. I would note one exception. I think Odell Breda might care as much. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I'm no not doubt. saying more, but I think Odell might be like equal no with anybody doubt. in that no building. Doubt. But other than that, you guys care more than yep. anybody else. This is something that has not plagued me, but, you know, picked my curiosity for 20 years. I, I'm fascinated. I, I'm a recruit guy. I'm a big baseball fan. Prospects. I love prospects. Yep. The five star has mostly eluded this program historically. And there's exceptions, major, major exceptions. Charles Rogers yep. is probably the best one in my lifetime. But it's been an outlier. I mean, this, this program goes 10 years at a time without getting one. I know they're rare. I know even the best schools only get a couple in any given year. Is that a place where State's going to get to? Is Mel Tucker even trying? I mean, I know he was in the kitchen with, you know, Kenneth Goodwin last year, who I believe mm -hmm. was a five-star technically. Is that something we can get to where you're getting even every other year, every third year a five-star? Is this going to be kind of more 
plateauing in that you know high three four star range which is still great right not quite at that five well we're recruiting the, the best players in the country that that fit our program so at the end of the day if 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 they fit into the mold of what we're building then absolutely you know i don't you know ever go into a recruiting cycle thinking there's anybody in the country that we don't have a chance at you know that you have to have that that mindset and i do have that mindset as does does our entire staff um it, again it's about the totality of what we have to to offer at michigan state university from the entire again uh just platform that we provide for the student athletes from obviously the on the field standpoint to the off the field standpoint to the nfl prospect standpoint to the the academics and degree standpoint um, to, of course, the NIL standpoint, to your personal brand standpoint. Like we feel like we have a a totality uh, of of a program where we can attract the best players in the country. And, you know, we've created, of course, a rating system that that says who is deemed, quote unquote, the best players in the country coming out of a class. And then it all shapes up and shapes out as you go through, you know, sometimes, of, of course, a zero star a two star will, will outpace a, a five star. You know, we've seen it, um, you know, vast majority of the time, I would say that the five stars do end up panning out. You know, I think if you were to look back at, you know, the NFL draft for the past several years, uh, you, you'd probably find in the first round, there's a lot of four and five stars in there. I mean, you, you don't get rated highly for no reason. So we're going to go off to the best players at the end of the day. And we believe that, um, you know, we can get the best players. So, yeah, I mean, it, there, some some programs get get more than others. Um, we don't necessarily look at that. We, we don't we don't judge based on that. You know, we're going to go after the best players that fit our mold. So I, I want you to really stretch your imagination because I'm going to challenge you here. Pretend that I'm a five-star linebacker, mm-hmm. okay? And hopefully your head didn't explode at this hypothetical already. <laughs> Pretend that I am. And I'm telling you, I got an offer in hand to play middle mm-hmm. linebacker at LSU, Alabama, and you guys. I mean, everyone offered me, but those are my final right. three. Why would I go to Michigan State and not Alabama, who wins a national title every right. third year, LSU every fifth year, and they're always in the mix, it seems like? Why would I go to you and not Nick Saban at Alabama. No doubt. Well, again, it's the totality of the opportunity to, to be a student athlete. You know, first and foremost, you know, we will compete for championships. You know, we have competed for championships in the past and we will continue to do that. Uh, you know, you're looking at a, a conference that's incredibly lucrative being the Big Ten and it's going to keep growing um, in, in terms of, you know, TV revenue and opportunities there and just eyes on the Big Ten. You know, that's going to be a huge piece also. Uh, the all-weather football piece is incredibly important. You know, if you're if you're looking at, at at National Football League aspirations, you have to play all-weather football. You know, if you look at the Super Bowl champions in the past 20 years, a vast majority have come from cold-weather cities. You know, so no matter what, whether you're, you know, playing in the Super Bowl or playing in playoff games, you're going to have to play somewhere cold. You know, so you kind of get that out the way of like, oh, we're, you know, nobody's going to come north. Teams, obviously, in the North are getting highly rated players. So that, to me, it has no bearing on it. You can get a, a, a quality, you know, above quality education. You can be able to major in what you want to major in. You know, we don't we don't force anybody to major in, in anything that they don't want to. You know, you get to decide what you want to major in. We do have NIL at, at a high level uh, in terms of the branding opportunities that are there. Um, obviously, an incredibly passionate and loyal fan base is there. Uh, we know that, and they're going to get behind get behind get behind our guys uh, and we have a phenomenal head coach and staff so you know when you look at that facilities are coming 2023 you know we were broke ground has been broken on them and we can't wait to open up the, the new facility so everything is in place to be successful um when it comes from uh uh you know just uh the icing on a cake standpoint in my opinion and then the actual piece of the cake is you're gonna like where you go to school 
Like, you still have to like where you go to school. Yes. And I think that that's something that gets overlooked a lot. Also, um, and this with this day and age of the transfer portal, you see, I think a lot of times is is you either didn't like it in the first place or you're looking for somewhere you may like it more. You're going to like being in Michigan State. There's nobody that's come through the program that says they don't like it here. Even the folks that that have that have decided to go to other programs, they always leave talking incredibly highly of the university and the culture that you have. And I think, again, that that's a fleeting concept. So when the winning comes with it, and if we have won with this staff and we will continue to win, you put all of that together, we have a complete program. I know, you know, personally, I'm encouraged. I'm not shocked, you know, based on my conversations, but I am encouraged, enthusiastic, relieved, happy, all of the above with the last 72 hours or so. It's been a really good period here, you know, obviously off a year that no one loved on the field. I know our aforementioned Odell Bredham yep. has taken six cold showers yeah. in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Every announcement, the guy the guy has to go back into a cold shower to calm back down. So, you know, it's just exciting to see that, okay, you know, the lifeblood of the program, which recruiting is as it is anywhere else, yep. is still alive and well, and you kind of see the brighter days ahead. I do want to transition to this. Obviously, we touched on it briefly, the 2022 season. I am fascinated by this. I was a, from day one, year five Mel Tucker guy, considering year one as the biggest asterisk ever. I don't care what Mel says. I respect what he's saying. Right. I respect that he's not using it as an excuse. I'm going to use it for him. That here's a joke. He had, hi, my name is fill in the blank name tags on everybody. He's running things on a computer. I, I mean, I'll give him a pass. So year four full year was my real judge where I got to see what's going on. That's not even next year. That's two years from now. It seems to be the national perception and local as well. Overnight, Mel Tucker is now inept and in over his head. Mm -hmm. and, and this is, I, I, this is not going to work out. When he was the bee's knees 12 months ago, it's a common forgot how to coach disease. Right. It's like this guy didn't forget how to coach. So I want to play a, a few clips, you know, that Ben put together for us just about the general pulse. I'm a pulse guy. I like checking yep. the pulse. This is the pulse on Mel Tucker now. And I want to get your response to this. I don't care about all the nice things people have to say about Mel Tucker. I don't care about their fan base. Tucker's coming. By the way, let me know because I've been waiting at stage for a long time. Clock's ticking. I'm not sold that Mel Tucker is this uh, incredibly great head coach that is a can't-miss guy. This staff is woefully inept. There are parts of it that need to be changed, that need to be overhauled, because this performance that I saw was woefully unacceptable you think guys like ishbia are going to sit there and watch three and nine four and eight seasons and their name is attached to that now they're going to wipe the floor with that deal and they will get out people can deal with not having the dudes to win certain games 24 7 up at home against indiana feels like the end of the d'antonio era and this is supposed to be the crescendo of the mel tucker era that stuff that stuff doesn't fly. Okay, Darian. So your surroundings here do not mm -hmm. betray the truth. I am a Michigan State guy. Right. That's a, that everybody knows that that's watched the show for five seconds. You can see a giant Sparty painting over my left shoulder. I get that. But I always say to my audience, I'm honest with them, including about Michigan State. And to use an example, I was just with two of the players sitting here telling them that I don't like what Tom Izzo's doing with the transfer portal. I was very critical of that on Twitter, on the video. And I saw, I'll call something out if I feel it's necessary. I think the Smell Tucker stuff's nuts. I, to me, it was way ahead of schedule last year. 
this has always been a rebuild. The recruiting is right where it needs to be and better, some could argue. What do you make of this? Don't you think this panic button that everyone's ramming with their fist is a little bit premature? Isn't this a little crazy to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a Pulse guy, too, and I think that that's what I in, enjoy about the the not just the, the situation that we're in, but the folks that we have within our building because they can handle it, you know? So I'm obviously knee deep in the fan base. You know, I read everything. I see everything because I can handle it. You know, it's not going to impact me in any way, you know? And again, that's the confidence that not only I get from, from coach Tucker, but just having had success, you know, as being a part of this program. So th- 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 there's, there's definitely no time to panic, you know, at the end of the day, again, like, like I said, nobody's more, you know, frustrated, disappointed, whatever you want to call it with, with how the season went than, than the guys uh, and, and the gals that we work with inside of the Scandalaris football center, soon to be the Tom Izzo football building. You know, we go into every single game, believing wholeheartedly that we can win every single football game at the same time, understanding that we can all or also be beat in every single football game. So, you know, the notion that, that anybody's forgotten how to coach or forgotten how to win it, it it's nonsense, but but kind of as you said about, you know, the 2020 season, we don't we don't believe in excuses. You know, we're not going to use anything as an excuse. All we're going to do is go back to the drawing board and, and get better. Um, it's just it's it's always funny how, you know, you hit this, like you said, this 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 high, which we had in 2021. And then when you hit a little bit of adversity, stuff gets flipped on its head. So going into next year, we have to figure out how do we approach that? You know, a lot of the stuff that that we we that I've seen, at least personally, um, is, is, is a lot of nonsense, you know, from the, 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 the way with, we, you know, hashtag certain things, the language we use, all that type of stuff. Like it, it, to me, you know, we allowed the fan base to be a part of that. And then all of a sudden it's been flipped on its head. Like it doesn't work, you know, any successful organization, business team is going to have shared language at the end of the day. We had a lot of shared language under coach D'Antoni. We just didn't put it out there. It wasn't on social media. That's the difference between what we're doing now and what we did then. Are you, sorry to interrupt you, but are you yeah. talking about like the keep chopping stuff? Yeah, all that, what, yeah, that's all that type of stuff. Okay. So just, it's just, just you know, just as, right. an, as an example of like, you know, oh, that, that doesn't work or why are we doing that? Why are we, you know, why do we see this on the field all the time? And um, the tuck coming and all that type of stuff. Like the fan base created that. We leaned into it to because we thought it was enjoyable for the fan base. We was inviting people in. You know, so now going forward, maybe we have to change the way we do that. Maybe we need to be a little bit more internal with with a lot of those things when it comes to shared language, because I can go down a laundry list of things we talked about under Coach D'Antonio from a shared language perspective that never got out there. That probably would have ended up if we you know, didn't have success the same way. Oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't make any sense. All this other stuff. But, you know, that's why we talk a lot about the voices inside being being uh, louder than the voices outside. Yo, you guys can do whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. The keep chopping axe is not coming down. No, so, not yeah, at all. I'm not, not taking that down. That's not what you're trying to say, right? Because it's not coming no, down. No, not at all. Not yeah, at all. I got the hatchets on the other door. Yep. Yeah, I, so I, I've been talking about leaning into it. I mean, <laughs> this could yep. possibly have leaned more into it. Yeah, I, I get, and I saw the same stuff you're talking about where uh, I want Mel to stop doing the chop out on yeah. the sideline. It's like it's your it's your mentality or it's right, not. Right. And what kind of a mentality is it if you bail on it the second things go exactly. wrong? Isn't that kind of counterintuitive, right? It's I mean, totally counterintuitive. It's like, oh, now that things aren't going well, I'm going to stop. The whole point is, exactly. like, if anything, it should be a better when times aren't as No good. doubt. Is there, if I parachuted Darian Harris into a random meeting in 2021 and parachuted Darian Harris into a meeting from this year, and you didn't know which was which, is, was there a discernible difference in Mel Tucker's 
attitude, his mood? Was he was this weighing on in this year? Just the on field results, or is it kind of the same guy up or down? No, it's the same guy. You know, we 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 go back to that neutral thing and philosophy that that um, he learned from Trevor Moad, and uh, we we truly embody that, and and it is a major part of our program. You know, talk about shared language again. I'm sure people can say, well, that doesn't work. You know, get rid of that. But at the end of the day, we truly lean into that that neutral concept: never too high, never too low. You don't have to be positive. Just don't be negative. You know, that's the idea of being neutral. What are the facts of the situation and how do you move forward? And you have to approach that, uh, you know, you know, approach, you know, definitely uh, at hard times with that mentality and that mindset. And of course, we had a lot of that this past season in a myriad of different ways. But if you don't approach it neutrally and you're coming in all out of whack, then your team's going to be out of whack. Your players are going to be out of whack. Your staff's going to be out of whack. You know, Coach Tucker's our CEO. So we go as he goes and we go with the with the mood and the, and the way that he approaches things. And he approached everything the exact same way, you know, as he needed to uh, and led this team, you know, and in the best way possible. And at the end of the day, everybody's got to move on the same page, which we were. Um, and and we again, everybody forgets you got young men that are dealing with a lot of different things that not everything gets talked about in the open. Um, that you have to figure out how to navigate. So this senior class, from what they went through and what they endured and how they came on the other side, it's just going to make them better going through life and in the next phase and when it comes to adversity and things like that. Were you surprised by the on-field results this year, what they were versus what you were thinking going into the year? Um, I mean, you know, say to say surprised, yeah, you'd have to say surprised because, again, I, I go in every game confident that we're going to win win the football game. So, you know, it it – it, again, I think when you approach it with that neutral mentality, I don't think it's necessarily about being being surprised. I think it's more like, OK, where do we fix it going forward? You know, how, how do we make sure that, um, you know, certain games that that went the way they did this past year don't happen going forward this year? And it's a totality of different things to work on. Um, not just from a football standpoint, but from a culture, from a team bonding, from a team growing standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. Every single team, though, is it has those same things, whether you win or lose, you know, whether you win a championship or lose a championship. That's the beauty of this sport. You get to move forward and you get to start anew, you know, come a new year. And, and so that's what we love about being in the situation that that we're in, because you get to fix something. You know, there's nothing better than, be, than being in a situation where you get to fix something. And we're excited to be, be, in that, be in that phase. I'm curious, are you still, would you guys say, as a program in the diagnostic phase where you're still, obviously you're getting through the recruiting phase, which is crazy too. But are you in that diagnostic phase where you're trying to piece together what we can do better? Or do you feel you have a decent idea of at least a couple of things of here's what we want to do differently? And if so, like, what are those things? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we definitely have a, a couple of things that we know definitely work um, and that we're going to, to stick to and that it becomes staples of our program. At the same time, we're learning in a lot of aspects as well, you know. Um, learning again from from a from a culture standpoint, from a locker room standpoint, trying to just learn this new generation of student athlete. They're 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 different now. You're an old you know? man, and you're I, not old. I it's know, like, but it's so it, rapidly it's changing. It's now. different. You yeah. know, just the the way that they interact with each other is different. The way they communicate with each other is different. What they see as important and valuable is different. Um, and and we're all navigating that space. You know, everybody across the country is navigating it in the same way. Those are the conversations that you have with colleagues at different schools is, OK, how do we figure out this generation of student athletes to get the most out of them? So, yeah, we have some things that definitely work. 
we're going to try some new things in, in this this year coming up that I'm really excited about just from a from a team standpoint. You know, the, the X's and O's is X's and O's. You know, we have coaches that can coach. We, we have coaches that know football at an incredibly high level that they can teach the game. It's it's everything else that you really have to build up to be successful on the field. That's what I always talk about my years. You know, we had great coaches. Absolutely. We know we had great coaches, but we also had a, a incredible you know, affection for each other. We had an incredible amount of success off the field. You know, my class had 26 out of 27 of us graduate from the university on time. Like things like that matter. It makes a difference. The, the way we we approach the, the everything and all encompassing parts of the university, it matters. So we're going to start building that up. And, you know, as we're moving out of COVID, we're able to do that. Now, we weren't able to do that a couple of years ago, even a lot of 2021, a lot of the, the, the ways that we wanted to just interact with the other pieces of the university weren't able to do that. But it does matter. It does make an impact. I, I can make an argument, I think, that Keon Coleman is the best player on this roster right now, certainly offensively. I think he's probably the most popular among the fans. But he had, and I, we talked about this when he was on the show, he had a little bit, not even a slip up, it's just a moment of honesty where he did say in so many words that it was frustrating to have some of the fans kind of mm -hmm. hop off and yeah. jump, bench this guy, bench right. that guy. And there was just a five second period where he just said, yeah, those guys don't know what they're talking yeah. about. And then he kind of got the <laughs> yeah, yeah, coach yeah. speak back yep, on. Yep. But it slipped a little bit yep. with him. As button up and sharp mm -hmm. as he was, even he, he let it out. And I, you know... He's half my age, basically. Right. Even I would probably be letting it out. I just, is that something, or is that something that's frustrating to you, to other people in the program? Obviously, it was to Keon because yep. he expressed that, where people are five seconds after you know putting their yep. own paintings of Mel Tucker on the wall are criticizing the chop and stuff. And I mean, did you feel like the bailing early stuff is frustrating? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on, on who you're, you're speaking to, you know, I think for, for the players, it's, it's gotta be frustrating. I, it, of course it's frustrating. They're, they're young men who are trying to navigate this, this space of being a, a big time athlete, achieving their dreams, trying to reach their goals. But at the same time, this whole social space where people are as close to you as they've ever been or feel they're as close to you as, as they've ever been and feel like they're experts on the matter that you put the work in to do. That's definitely at the end of the day. That's definitely but true. at the same time, the way I look at it is everybody's got a role. Yeah. The coach has got a role. Um, I have a role. The players have a role. The fans have a role. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got to play their role. Everybody's got to play their part. So without fans, then there's no there's no sport, you know, without that human element being in there. So, again, I, I read everything because I love to I'm an information gatherer. I love to know what's going on. I love to feel the pulse. You're a brain. Yeah. Too, so. and, and, a, and a lot of what I read is is is, you know, a lot of nonsense at the end of the day. But it's just it's the role. So you can't really get get frustrated with I, I tell our guys kind of the, the opposite of you know I think the usual advice I say lean into it like just just lean into it you got to flip it on its head you got to know how to use the fan base you know to your benefit and to your advantage but at the same time you have to understand that if you don't go out there and perform then you're going to have somebody say something about you that that's the that is what you signed up for and that's the role that you're in now it's not always warranted it's not always fair um, and of course, you know, if, if we were to sit down with um, fans and, and go through an entire, you know, a deck of film from a game and really break it down, then they would come out of it with a completely different perspective. But that takes away from the role. So there's really no point, no point in doing that because everybody's an expert on everything. You know, it's not just sports. Everybody's an expert on everything. Um, 
So it, it it's funny for me, again, to just sit back and be like, you have no idea what you're talking about at the end of the day. And to say it respectfully, because how would you know what, what you're talking about? Um, I, I call it I call it Twitter facts. It, things pop up at, dirt, at, at certain periods of time or when it comes to certain things that everyone takes one thing and runs with it. When it comes to football, everybody's favorite word is scheme. It's everybody's favorite word. Scheme and adjustments. It's a Twitter fact. Halftime. They didn't make any adjustments. You don't know what an adjustment is. You have no idea what that means. After a game, oh, the scheme doesn't work. You have no idea what a scheme is. When it comes to politics, lesser of two evils. What does that mean? It's a Twitter fact. Oh, this, this side is the lesser of two evils and that side. It's a Twitter fact. You, you have no idea what that means. So it's always funny to look into that because once somebody says something, people just take it and run with it, but they really don't necessarily understand what it means. And I wish I could teach them what it means, but that would take away from the fun of it. Well, that and it would, it's almost like, I mean, I, I don't mean to be condescending towards those people because I'm one of them, mm -hmm. you know, these people spouting off that doesn't know some, as much right. as someone like you. But I, I just, I feel like it's kind of beneath you to no doubt. explain that stuff. No like doubt. not just you, it's beneath anybody within the program to explain, especially to these like anonymous bozos. No it may be like me or like Matt Sheehan or someone that at least like has a show and has their name on it. But you guys don't have to answer to Bobo the Clown. Of course, 87. of course. You know, I, 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 will, I will say this, Darren, you're, you might be the last person I would go to advice on dealing with criticism. I, you're like one of five players that I've ever seen at Michigan State that nobody ever said a bad thing about ever. <laughs> the, fa the fan base liked you the second you got there and has liked you every single day to the present day. So if I were going for advice, uh, going to someone for advice on how to deal with fans bitching, you might be my last one. Yeah, no call, doubt. No doubt. But everybody you know, loved you. Right. But, but I still try to teach it at the end of the day. And, and yeah. that's what I explain is that, you know, it, again, it's not coming off as, as disrespect. It's just they're not in the meetings with you. So there's no need to get frustrated. There's no need to get upset there, we know the nuances of the game and how complicated the game of football is that you can't you can't watch it in real time and know what's going on at the end of the day. You just you just can't unless you unless you truly have an eye for it and, and have been in those meetings repeatedly. And even then, you, you don't necessarily know somebody else's scheme, even as an announcer, you don't know everybody else's scheme. I remember watching our games back on on the playback and you'd watch a play and, and announce, oh, that great blitz. And I'm like, we didn't blitz on this play that was there was no blitz or sudden shots blew the coverage here i was like no they didn't that was somebody else's fault uh but you, you don't know it without watching it you know people ask me why don't you all run this we we are running it you just have no idea that we actually are you know so it just, it's like you, you can't you can't get frustrated with, with that type of stuff um i approach everything like like a player you know it, everything to me is 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 on the player like that's how i approach the game still when you talk, when I talk to my former teammates, when we're watching our games, nobody mentions the scheme. Nobody goes to the schemes, the problem. I've not talked to one of my, one of my teammates that has ever blamed the scheme because we're approaching it like a player. It, whatever the coach calls you run, the, you run the play. You're not going to come to the sideline and say, oh, I'm upset that we ran that. That, that. that doesn't work in the game of football. So, you know, even if it's right, wrong or different, maybe a coach called a, called a bad call. I'm not looking at that as, as, as a player. You know, I, I didn't go undefeated as a player. Any of the games we lost, I've never looked back and said, well, we called a bad call. We ran a bad scheme. It's no, we didn't execute as a, as a, as a unit out there on the field. So it's, it's, it's like things like that where if you're not in the fire, if you're not in the arena, 
you're not going to have that reaction. But every everybody's got a role. I like the Twitter fact thing. I think I may use that with credit. You should. With it's, credit it's, to you. it's my favorite thing to use. You left out one of the best ones, though. <laughs> Anytime anybody's having any success rushing at all, everyone says, you got to stack the box. You got to stack the box. <laughs> stack the box. You got to stack, stack the box. Got to stack the box. <laughs> and, it's a great one. Were you, were you impressed that Scotty Hazleton forgot how to coach and then remembered how to coach again this year? Was that <laughs> yeah, impressive? Yeah, of course it was impressive. It, you know, we went from the bend, not break, don't break defense, <laughs> yeah. which is that that's another one right there. You know, we, we were, we ran a bend, don't break defense. What coordinator ever has said, we're going to run a bend, don't break defense, <laughs> which is we're just going to give up 15 yard hitches, but we're not going to give up touch that, 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 that concept does not exist in the game of football. Nobody's running a bend, don't break defense. You know, it doesn't matter what coverage you're running. You know, it it, it truly doesn't matter. You know, people say, oh, we got to go back to the quarters coverage. You still got to guys have the guys who run the quarters coverage. Oh, cover three doesn't work. Well, then how did the Legion of Boom have that success as the best defense in the entire country? They were running cover three the entire time. Like Richard Sherman is a Hall of Fame cover three corner at the end of the day. So it, at the end of the day, yes, scheme and player have to work together. Of course, I'm not saying it's always all on the player. But as an athlete, I'm going to put it on myself at the end of the day. And, yeah, like you said, all of a sudden, oh, our coaches remember how to coach. No, our guys learn the scheme that we're running. They learn the defense, and they got to a point where instead of continuously learning our scheme, they now they could start learning our opponent. We had to get to that point, you know, and you say, oh, how does that not happen in camp? How does it not happen in, in this and that? It, it happens in the time it's going to happen at the end of the day, you know. Some some players get it quicker than other players. You know, when you take certain players out of a lineup, lineup, albeit Xavier Henderson, you're gonna have breakdowns. Like it all has to work together. That's what makes the game of football so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, speaking of guys that we're missing, it's a free country. People can say whatever they want. I wouldn't recommend saying anything bad about Scotty Hazelton in front of Darius Snow. Yeah. Like he may impale you with his crutch. <laughs> I mean, he was on the show, but he was talking after too. He's like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. He's, he's the smartest defensive coach I've ever been around. He's like in awe of Scotty Hazelton. He's phenomenal. And he's a huge Hazelton yeah. guy. And he said most of it was on camera. Anyone could pull up the episode. Right. But in all the Winman and X were here too. So you had three prominent defensive players. They all, and that you can tell, man, and anyone can pull the tape. You can tell when guys are just saying the right thing. No, they, no. they were like ready to to grab the pitchfork and well, fight. Of course, and and it's he didn't forget how to coach and then remember mid year. And I keep seeing this thing. And I was saying this in real time. Justin Thin and I were the only two outside of the building that were like, "This is not the coach is not the problem here. The scheme's not the problem." And he was getting a lot of heat. And you keep reading, "Oh, Scotty Hazelton did a much better job in the second half." It's like that or he got multiple pieces back no doubt it, like, it's it's all of the above at the same time and then again it's just you have to go out there and execute and make plays you know i mean i i saw you know plays that the you know fan base would would you know screenshot screen record and show and say oh they gave up another you know whatever such and such play and then i'm sitting there like we actually called the perfect call to stop it we just didn't in the, the day you know it, it happens you know, at the same time, I and mean, we we had there's calls on both sides where you know we'd pull it up and we'd ask the the opposite coordinator if you knew that the defense was running this, would you run that play? It'd be like absolutely not, and it would be vice versa. Even though it was a play that whatever side of the ball the opposing opposing you know opposition was on, they they made a play on it. So that happens in the, the day. Like that's that's football. You know, it, it just but. Again, when you're looking at it from the, the the lens that doesn't quite get it, then you think it was a busted coverage or a bad call or something like that. And and usually it's not like listen, standing by Coach Hazleton during a game is is it's an amazing experience because he knows what's coming. 
end of the day. You still have to go out and execute the call. You know, it, it that, that's just what it comes down to. Darius said he's like a savant. He's he like is. a genius. Like he's, yeah. he can anticipate everything. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but mm-hmm. he was like in awe. Again, it's not the tape. We'll pull that up some other time. I mean, he's he was just in awe of Hazleton. And you know, that's a guy like, again, I said it repeatedly. I think it's insane to run either of these coordinators out. And I know you can. I'm not even going to ask you to comment because that's an impossible spot for you. But I'll say it because you had Jay Johnson did one of the best offensive seasons ever. You had the best offensive performance single season, arguably ever. You can put white in there, too, if you want from 20 or 30 years ago. That's fine. But you had the quarterback set the touchdown record. So after one year, you're going to get that that guy out of here and he's a he's awesome on the recruiting trail by all accounts jay johnson and hazelton is one of the most respected coordinators among other coaches football people love this guy you're gonna run him out it's especially after what you saw the last six weeks this he him remembering how to coach i just think that's nuts everyone needs to calm the f down <laughs> this was always a process and you are gonna get there i think as a program i think you know you Absolutely. guys you guys are you're doing the stuff you got to do the program's modernized facilities are modernized you said you know they're opening next year the thomas o football building the recruiting speaks for itself in terms of where that's placing just calm down like this is the results we want are downstream of everything that's going on upstream that's what i see if i didn't see that i would tell my audience no doubt. i bitch about time is on the portal constantly mm-hmm. I said, this is going to cost us in the tournament. If I saw a problem, I would tell my audience, I don't see it with you guys. I like what you're doing. Right. And, you know, we never want to dim expectations. So it's it's that's that's we never want to do that. You know, again, everybody's got a role. We don't don't dim expectations. But we live in a in a in a it's a it's a win now era. You know, it's a success yesterday era. And we had the year we had last year. And we built on that. It's like we didn't we're not we're not going to win 11 games and then just go quiet you know, into the night and then pop up in 2022 and run a season. No, we got to build off of that. We had to have, you know, we, we had to, to, it's not only, it's not enjoying it. It's, it's recruiting off of it. It's, it's building the brand up. It's building the, this conglomerate that we're putting together. And so, yeah, we wanted to build the expectations up that that's what we're always going to do. Cause we believe we're going to meet and, and achieve those expectations. But at the same time, we knew that if you, if you don't have the success that you've, you know, built up and, and that have shown, especially in the previous year, yeah, of course you're going to have people that are uh, upset. It's just, it comes with the territory, you know, but that that's what happens, you know, just as much as they'll build you up, they'll, they'll tear you down. You know, I, I heard it put, put, put uh, to me in a, in a great way, um, you know, a few days ago, uh, <laughs> for anybody that that's, that's religious out there, they said that, you know, they turned on Jesus in four days, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, so who am I to be upset that, you know, anybody's going to, going to turn on us and then 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 he may be gone forever or may come back you know again everybody's got a role it's it's all good it's all good speaking of unrealistic expectations i am not going to have unrealistic expectations on this next topic i know where you can and cannot go here i respect that but i do want to touch on the tunnel gate thing not the incident because i know you can't i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna gonna waste your time i know you can't talk about it no one's you're not gonna be the first one to talk about it here as much as that'd be interesting for everybody but i think you can give us a somewhat instructive telling on the few weeks sort of subsequent to that the mood in the building how it affected kids you have what i would argue some people push back on this which i don't even understand I would argue flagrant racism that was at a rampant level. Just look at Xavier Henderson's mentions right. and, the, and the, the guy who broke up the fight, by the way, not that it would be okay either way, but the guy who broke up the fight is dealing with 
not even racially coded, just flat out racist language. No doubt, no doubt. I, I just, what were those couple weeks like after where these kids are being vilified, you guys are being called the products of a scum program, your coach is a quote thug, you guys were pariahs, even guys that had nothing to do with anything. What was that like just in that building and managing that emotionally? I think it was it was eye opening to uh, our student athletes for kind of what can happen in the world, you know, from the the prominent, so to speak, position you're in, albeit fair or unfair. You know, when when you are on a national stage and and an incident or a situation like that happens, people are going to show their treat true colors towards you. So um, it was eye opening. It was it was, you know, dare I say, educational. Uh, and it was a, a testament of who we are as a program and, of course, the leadership of Coach Tucker, who who did an outstanding job, um, as well as our athletic director, Alan Haller, of navigating us through that time. You know, because as soon as something like that happens and like you said, you're talking about mentions and social media and, you know, again, the, the conversations with student athletes that nobody on the outside saw or ever is going to see the conversations that I had to have with individuals, you know, in my office who who were who just didn't understand why this was happening to them um, from the overall landscape, you know, and, and when you say something like that, people say, well, they put themselves in that situation because of this. Yeah, we, we understand that. Obviously, we acted on that. We understand there were consequences. But it's, again, it's still young men at the end of the day who who, who didn't it, it wasn't so egregious that you say, you know, you got a distance from that. It was to the point where they. You really had to explain to them, here's how we're going to navigate through this process, because it was took a mental toll on everybody. And it, it's it's situations like this where I, I wonder, again, for the people on, on the outside, what are you in this for? Like, do you really care about the student athletes as individuals, as people? Do you really care that they're at a school getting education so they can be positive members of society? Is that really important to you? Or are they just here for your entertainment and that's it? And I think that we really saw coming through that. A lot of it is just, they're just entertainment, you know? And at the end of the day, it, if it happens one at one place, it's going to happen somewhere else. And it's going to happen somewhere else. Some stuff is just inevitable. It's just always, <clears throat> excuse me, eye-opening to me, the, the way that, that people look at student-athletes sometimes, especially in, in times of of, uh, of uncertainty and, and, and peril almost where you, you, you take the individual away and you just group everybody together and say, they're only here for our entertainment. And if they screw up, then they're shunned to, to decide and they're not deserving of anything else other than what they do on the football field or whatever they do in their athletic setting. And that's it. But, you know, was really proud of, of just how we navigated the process um, and again, just proud of, of anybody that had to go through that. Our guys that had to go through the situation are still, of course, going through it and, and how they've handled it from, from a mental standpoint. And you always go to, well, what, it was, what if it was your son and what if it was you? And people say, well, I would allow this, this, the same thing. I'd love to. No, you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't want the same thing to happen. Not to the totality that it, that it happened to our guys. Well, especially, I mean, there's degrees. So, yeah, and I'm not going to get into the names, but like among the suspended players, a couple of those kids, at least, I mean, I can argue a couple more than a couple, but at least a couple of the kids had an involvement that was far less than something I saw at IM West, like every day that right. I went there as a right. student. It's like just, you know, very like guys, you know, banging in the post and getting yep. frustrated and and the language thrown at these kids. And it's not you could always nut pick, you know, right. so this one guy said this. 
This was the majority of the comments. No doubt. Were throw his ass in jail. Yeah. These kids belong in jail. Yeah, Not no even doubt. charged with no prison time. Like, they want them incarcerated. Yeah. For especially a handful of them where it's like, I, I see worse at any pickup basketball game. No doubt. I mean, I, just the bottom, I'm going to cut right to it. If Mel Tucker's a white guy, does this reaction mirror exactly as it has in this situation? Is there any difference? Because I think that has something to do with it, especially when people are saying throw Mel Tucker in jail, right. who didn't even do anything. <laughs> is, it, is there some element of black coach versus white coach here? I, I believe so. I believe so at the end of the day. And that's just a society that we're in. And again, people can push back on that or say everything's not about race. And unfortunately, it, it is in a lot of in a lot of cases. And so we have to navigate accordingly and teach accordingly. Uh, and, you know, I, I tell every recruit that comes in, whether, whether you come to Michigan State or not, I'm an advocate of student athletes. My job is to make sure that student athletes uh, have a voice and 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 are able to build their the totality of their experience of student athlete in the way that they see fit. So roles reverse. I don't want anybody thrown in jail. I don't want anybody incarcerated over over an incident that like that. This specific one yeah. would never call for that. I don't think anybody in our program would have called for that. I don't think anybody would have gotten in front of a microphone and, and called for that. I understand protecting your your people. I think there's a way to do it without having, you know, going to such extreme measures with the opposition, especially when you're leading young men too, and and especially when it's young men of color. Uh, and then, you know, we can go down, of course, the, the history of, of you know, uh, in, incarcerated black folks in this country. We don't we don't need any more. We, we don't need any more. Um, and and when you start to put that into the minds of these young men who have the entire futures ahead of themselves because of a a moment momentary mistake that they made that didn't have any ramifications outside of that evening on it going forward. I just I think that's a little much. I mean, everything's going to be anecdotal that you can't scientifically prove racism, obviously. No so doubt. it's always going to be a discussion. But it is an anecdotal contrary example. It, Kansas basketball players throwing chairs and it's just a horrible visual. Nobody called Bill Self a thug or said throw Bill Self in right. jail. I mean, it just to me, it's it is a clear issue. And it's, it's clear with the you know, words that people used on social media, most of them anonymous. So we've addressed sort of the nutbags and even to a lesser extent, the Michigan administration. From the media perspective, do you think that you guys were treated fairly by the credentialed media in town in the fallout of that? Do you, how do you sort of rate their performance in covering this story? Yeah, I mean, again, I think everybody ha has a job to do. Um, if there's something that that's noteworthy and, you know, myself being a journalism grad, you know, you have to re report on that, you know, in, in a way that that's fair, uh, no matter, you know, who you're a, a beat writer for or who you um, wouldn't even say necessarily represent, but who you write for, you know. So at the same, you know, at the end of the day, you know, for, from a media standpoint, I mean, I, I I don't know. You know, I didn't I for this incident, I didn't really look into that as like who covered us fairly or or unfairly. You know, truly for for us, it was like, you know, we got to make sure that as a program, our, our guys are taken care of. And I think any program would have approached it that way. That's what you sign up for when you're in a role like this is you you ensure that your student athletes are OK and that they're taken care of to the best of our ability and that and that they're just all right at the end of the day. And I don't think anybody should should have an issue with that because there's there's always going to be something that, that comes up. There's always going to be incidents. Some of them are inevitable. Some of them you can't control. We have one hundred and twenty guys, you know, young men. Things happen. At the end of the day, no matter how much we 
you know, push our policies and procedures and our, our what we do. Coach Tucker's main philosophy, which dates back to, to what he's learned his entire career, is we do not talk to the opponent. We, that is our number one policy as players, as staff going into any game. And I think that you see that. Same thing when we're talking about an opponent in the media. We make sure that we don't provide any what you would call bulletin board material. You, you, can't, you, you can't find any at the end of the day. They, they tried to reach with Jacoby last year and said because he said, you know, we're, you know our job is to quiet a crowd. They called that bulletin board material. That's, that's you're just really a, stretching there. I mean, that's a, that is a, yeah. a total stretch. So you're not going to find any of that from, from our players. You're not going to find trash talk from our players during games. We, we, don't, we don't do that. So to to say and and paint us in in that in that in that light is just again that's not what we teach you know it is in our policy book that's not what we teach but things happen there and it's always like well remember when you were eighteen to twenty two two years old how many things did you either get away with or not get away with or want some grace on or some leniency on it happens I've been told repeatedly on this show by guys in that program that trash talk's not allowed as you just said and it's not just no trash talk the general standard is professional environment you know helmet strap ben can you roll that compilation that we put together just about certain guys that have passed through the studio talking about this very concept whenever you're out on the field you better take it serious you better have your mouthpiece in helmet strapped no helmets off at practice and it's it's business it's it's college but it's it's a job like i get more of a job vibe like i'm here to work every day we're not gonna you know blame the officials or anything like that you know, we'll see what they say. Maybe maybe we need to, you know, do a better job on those plays and maybe not. I honestly don't remember too much trash talking actually happening in the game. Um, you know, Coach Tucker tells us that, you know, we're, we're not supposed to talk to their team. So um, that's interesting. That's yeah. like a, a rule for you guys. You don't talk. Yeah, we don't talk to the opponent or the officials. Um, oh. And so we talk to each other. Obviously, you know, sometimes guys will talk to the opponents and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say something to the official every once in a while, too. But. You know, that's that's what Coach Tuck says, and that's what he stands by. So, I mean, the next time we roll that, I can add your comments to the compilation. But that's been a consistent message. So when you see something like the John U. Bacon report, which I addressed with him on a, a version of this show, come out saying that allegedly, according to two sources that were uh, anonymous as they tend to be, you guys not only engage in trash talk, you engage in trash talk at a level they've never seen in one case <laughs> In 30 years, I've done 30, you're laughing, 30 years on the yeah. sideline. It's not only are you guys doing it, you are unprecedentedly vile. You are so bad that this guy has never seen anything like it in three decades. I don't know how to square that because at the end of the day, I'm not there. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't say they're full of shit or you're full mm -hmm. of shit or anyone's Telling the truth, I will say at least you guys are on camera saying, you know, who you are right. versus two anonymous people. But that's where I get into, and I don't, as far as the media is concerned, John U. Bacon, for whatever you think of him, did not make that stuff up. I mean, John's an honorable guy. I know John. I had no doubt he was told both those things. I just think you guys are not treated equally by some in the media. I just, I don't know how to square you guys are the most vile sideline right. ever versus everybody telling me to a man, different classes, staffers, players, coaches telling me this stuff isn't even tolerated. Keon Coleman looked at me like I had three heads when I brought it up. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't even hear the Johnny Bacon thing. It was the first he had heard of it. Just shaking his head. I don't know what the hell this guy's talking about. It was genuine befuddlement. What do you make of that sort of disparity between 
what you're reading there and what your experience is. We, we have some of the most, if not the most compliant players that I think anybody on our staff has ever been around. I mean, these guys don't don't step a, a toe out of line, you know, for 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 ninety nine percent of the time that we have them. So, you know, I, I think, you know, statements like that, you know, made by by whomever that was, again, it was just reported on it. You, you have to report the information that you're given. It's 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 unfair. You know, it's unfair to our players because that's not how they conduct themselves and carry themselves. That's not what they're taught. Uh, and and that's not the policies that they follow. And and again, you can see it in how we are on the field. You see it, and after we make plays, we, there's no trash talking. You know, like you said, from the sideline, there's no. I mean, I, I saw something with that that said we were looking to injure a player. That that would never come from anybody on our staff or any of our players. Were you on the sideline in that game? For yeah, that game? absolutely. I assumed you were because you usually are. Yeah. Did you hear anything to the effect of? Cut Blake Corm at the knees. Never. End his career. McCarthy's yeah. case, it was end his career. Because apparently it was not just one offhand comment. It was the general vibe was injure Corm, injure McCarthy. Did you hear one thing resembling not, not, that? Not, not at all. Uh, we, we would never want any opponent, no matter who we're playing, to leave with an injury or to, to you know, endanger their opportunity to live out their dream. That That's what, student athletes, like, I'm going to advocate for all student athletes. I want to win every single game, you know, especially against rivals. But I want every single student athlete to have a healthy career and go on to the next level and be able to either provide for their family or themselves or just live out their dream. So the notion that we would have to go out there and try to end careers to win games is, is nonsense. And it absolutely does not fit in the culture that, that Coach Tucker has established with our players. We don't we don't play like that to the to the point where he doesn't want any defensive backs tackling below the kneecaps so again it's like it's total opposite of what we're taught because you know before we would you'd always you know you'd be taught to take out below the knees as a as a smaller player you know you you sweep tackle is what it was called like you practice that in practice we don't practice that because he wants everybody doesn't matter you know it what you weigh how you know and what you're going up against we tackle above the waist now, of course, it happens sometimes. So, you know, nobody needs to find clips of, of anybody doing a sweep tackle and say, well, this, of course, it's going to happen. Sometimes it's get them on the ground how you can get them on the ground. We don't teach tackling below the knees. You know, it is, again, a staple in our program that we tackle up top. So, again, it's just one of those things that's a complete polar opposite of what was, quote unquote, reported out there from our sideline. I mean, it's one thing if it's a blogger, but you're talking about a multi-time New York Times bestseller reporting it. I just think that's... That's a pretty hefty false accusation if it's no, a false no. accusation, which it's not, again, it's not the reporter's accusation. But I, you know, and I argued with John uh, cordially. I would have probably, there was nothing inherently improper with the report. There wasn't anything wrong, like just on its face. But you do have gatekeeper discretion, as any reporter does. I told him to his face, I would not have reported that. I, I they, they, they got to put their name on it. I want your name on that because you're that's some heavy shit with no evidence. Right. I mean, if there's a, a tape of something, like, hey, get him at the knees or something you can interpret that way, fine. But if you're going on the record with something like that, you, you I mean, I want you, I want your name there. You can't. You got to bring me some evidence or your name at least. I don't know. It was frustrating for me because and it's befuddling because everyone I've talked to again said the same thing you do. You guys are the world's best collaborative liars, if that report is true. <laughs> no one is that good. You guys, you guys all got your story straight early, I guess. It's, it's, it's just frustrating for me as a 
Spartan fan. I can't imagine being someone that's not only not doing that, but is actually actively coaching the opposite of that. It's frustrating. So I know you got to get going. I want to get to the speed round quick, and then I'll get you out of here. You got stuff to do. Ben, let's run the speed round. All right, Mr. Jerry, and we'll rip through all six real quick. 20 seconds or less, you know, cool. whatever. Do as your thing uh, is going to be here. We'll start here. Mr. Intensity of the MSU staff. Who's like the biggest kind of, you know, not hothead, but just most passionate guy in the staff right now? Oh, man. Um, Coach Coach Kapilovich, for sure. The way he coaches O-line is in an incredibly intense manner. You know, I, I love just stopping by uh, in practice, his individual you know, sessions with the guys and team periods as well. F- follow Coach Cap around because you're going to get an intensity uh, that 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 uh, is from sun up to sundown. Doesn't matter the temperature outside, practicing inside, practicing outside. Lost a game, won the game. Doesn't matter. His intensity is is uh, is, is 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 phenomenal. I mean, it really is. That seems to be the reputation. Speaking of intense coaches from your past, Pat Narduzzi. Got into a little hot water with Michigan State fans with some comments made that all oh, Pitt would have easily mm-hmm. won the Big Ten. What was that like having your former defensive coordinator, a guy that you played under and had great success under, you know, come out in some way against the program that you're still a part of now? Was, was that weird for you at all? Not at all. It's great. You know, that's you, Coach Dues. Again, did it's, bug you? not at all. It's, yeah. it's the same thing I just talked about. You know, if you don't know Coach Dues, then, you know, you, you may take offense to that. Take any offense to that. He's he's advocating for his program. That's what he's supposed to do. You know, and it was fantastic to see him last year. You know, we were able to talk before the game and after game that that's my guy. He 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 has he is he had the most impact on my career as a coach than anybody because of the way he coached his intensity and 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 the way that he was like, I got to get more out of you. You know, I always say I wish you could have been around for my senior year because of the jump I made from my junior to senior year was because of him and because of what he expected out of me. So I'm forever, you know, indebted for, for the way I finished my career because of how he coached me, which was it as hard as humanly possible. And I'm not sure that, you know, this generation that, that works for them all the time. And he may have mellowed out at Pittsburgh. I hope not. But I'm not sure. But. Man, I mean, I love to be coached hard like that. And so that's that's Coach Dues being Dues, you know. Still love the guy. Yeah, he did a lot for Michigan State. So you've told the story a few times, even on the audio version of this show. So I'm not going to ask you about 2015 in the shoe, the whole story, because that's out there. I want one question about 2015 in the shoe. You find out Connor Cook's not playing. Whenever it is, I find out five yep. seconds before kickoff. Be honest, at least 1% of you is like, yeah, we're, we're we're a little bit fucked, right? No, not one, not even one no, percent. Not even one. I mean, we just looked That's at each what other I thought. as a defense and said, "Let's go." At the end of the day, I mean, we truly did. Again, it's that yeah. confidence. Like you know, I talk about it with with a lot of the either the coaches that were around during that time, or you know, of course, my former teammates. Like we truly went into every game. Like we're not losing any game that we play, uh, and and just the. The, it started up front, you know, our defensive line and the confidence that they play with and the things that, that they were out there saying, it wasn't even, again, it, it wasn't trash talk. It was just honest truth. Like, I remember, you know, we had Craig Evans, big three technique, and Malik McDowell on the inside and the interior. Every single play they were looking at Ohio State's offensive line was like, y'all can't move us. And, like, just hearing that and knowing that it was actually true, 
was like, oh, we're, we're good. Like, we got this. Uh, so when you were able to trust each other and, and have that much, again, affinity and respect for each other, you're not going to go in any game thinking you're, you're going to lose it. You're going to go in with all the confidence in the world, and that's what we were able to do. Well, I mean, I, I'm normally with you as a fan. I'm always going in with some hope, but uh, I, that was an exception. I was there, and I, I was confident going in. I thought it was, you know, two touchdown underdog even before 13, whatever it was, before the Cook announcement came out, and then it jumped to 17, 18, whatever it was. And when that announcement came out, I was like, it's over. Yeah. I, 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 just no offense. I, <laughs> no doubt. No, I get it. I, I, I get it. I you've gone to basketball games with me. I was yeah. declaring the basketball game over when we trailed by four with like nine minutes left. Yeah. So that's, you know, it was a little bit of a waffling flake there. Uh, you know, as Brian Massam would say, okay, moving on. Briefly, playing Alabama in the college football playoff, true or false, it's a myth that you guys got blown out from from Jump Street that you guys had no business being on the field. I always said 0-0, zero, zero, middle of the second quarter, you had the ball driving in Alabama territory to take the lead, you know, false start sack, whatever it was. But you were a third of that way through the game, tied, driving the score. The second half was what it was, but you guys didn't get embarrassed. No, in not half. at all. I mean, it, it just kind of got away was my It did, and again, that happens in sports. You know, that happens in football where a game just some, starts to, to slip away and then it becomes – you know, big play here, big play there. And then all of a sudden it looks like a, a blow at the end of the day. We didn't feel outmatched, you know, in that game. It, it, definitely not. You know, we we measured up 100%. The score may not indicate that, but again, it, it does, that doesn't matter to us. We know we measured up in that game um, and, and it didn't go our way. Um, but we would absolutely line up and play that game again if we could. And like you said, going into halftime, we felt great. Uh, we we just we, we came out and we didn't execute in the ways that that we needed to to win the game. But it, it happens, you know. It, it happens when I go play pickup basketball. Sometimes, you know, if you're playing a game to eleven and then you blink and it's five or six zero, game's probably going to end eleven to three, eleven to four. You know, it doesn't mean you didn't measure up. It's just sometimes you're not able to get in the groove and in a quick enough time to be able to make up the ground. And in that particular game, especially against an opponent like that, you know, a national championship winning opponent, you know, you don't have time to, to sit there and try to figure it out going into the third quarter. You're not going to make a, a comeback of ages against a team like that. But no, we, we didn't. We, we, we measured up for sure. Yeah. And you start getting out of the stuff you do. I mean, Michigan beating Ohio state by 22, it's like Ohio state completely dominated the first half. They were down one score in the fourth quarter with the ball. Like, that's not a blowout. No, like, no. I'm mean, I mean, congratulations to them. It feels good. That scoreboard will always say what it does. But, like, that, that was not a blowout. And, I mean, you guys had a little bit of a different situation. You weren't down one score in the fourth. But I just – I'd never watched that game, you know, looking back on it and say, like, oh, we didn't even belong there. It's like it's, it's one of the best 10 teams of the last 25 years, that Bama team that ended up winning Absolutely. the whole thing. Absolutely. It's a great team. And you're again, you're driving midway through the second quarter to take the lead. It's to me, that's, you know, kind of a myth. But anyway, uh, define Spartan dog for me in so many words. What is a Spartan dog? Yeah, I mean, it's a Spartan dog is it's, it's a brotherhood. It's a fellowship. Um, it's a camaraderie. You know, it's 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 all encompassing uh, as well as just a hard work, tough nose, disciplined, blue collar football player. Um, but beyond that, it's just it's it's that. And then you're adding in just demand piece, the the piece of off the field, the piece of being there for for others, you know, being selfless. You know, that's truly what being a Spartan dog is. And that's what SD4L really, really means, uh, you know, also that, you know, you're once a Spartan dog, always a Spartan dog. You're going to be a Spartan dog for life. You know, not only are you going to be representative of, of the program for life, but we want you to be a part of what we're doing day in and day out. And I think that's, again, something that makes Michigan State unique is just that that alumni pride that we have, that the pride that former 
former players have and the 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 ability that we have under the leadership of Coach Tucker to have alumni be a part of what we're doing. We'll finish here. Darian Harris's career peak. I'm fascinated by your answer. I don't I have I have no read on you. Jack Ebling and I are running the campaign for you to be the AD when Alan Howard wants to go be the president someday. We're not kicking Alan yeah, out. Not at all. We're not saying you're Alan. All. But eventually we want you to be the AD. We think that's where you're headed. Coach, do you want to do a coach? Do you want to be a, a administrator? What's kind of, I mean, you have the, the business background now with your education. Yeah. What's sort of the, if you could just choose, what's your sort of dream landing? Because I could see you doing any of a multitude of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, right now in my head is being an athletic director. You know, my, my goal is is and still will, will be until, you know, if whether I reach the age or not to be the youngest Power 5 athletic director in the country. Um, but you know, I have a lot of aspirations, so I don't necessarily want to put myself in the box. You know, I can see myself, you know, climbing the ladder to be a president of an NFL team, you know, or the the commissioner of a conference um, or the president of the NCAA. If the NCAA conti- continues to exist, you know, to, to that far yeah. uh, in, into the future. You might but, be an upgrade right yeah. now. I, I, I would put you in there now. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, all those things from an administrative business standpoint are, are what what piques my interest. You know, I love the X's and O's of the game and I love, you know, sitting in the meetings and and learning our scheme and those types of things and, um, you know, fitting in where I can there. But I just I love the business side of of putting, you know, student athletes, players and organization to programming in the best possible light to be successful. So there's no better people I have than to learn from now and Coach Tucker and Alan Haller. You know, I pick their brain every single day. They know my dreams and goals as well. And again, that's what makes this place special. That's what makes those two gentlemen special is they're going to pour into the people that 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 they have employed. You know, they're not going to be anybody that gatekeeps any information on how they got to where they are. So I can pick their brain at any time. And I definitely take advantage of that information. You seem more CEO administrator to me. I mean, I think you'd excel in whatever you choose to do, but that's how I see it. I just I think you can make a more global impact that way. But Anyway, I know you got, I don't know if I'm allowed to say you have an event that you're getting. Yeah, to. yeah, it's yeah. It's one of your former teammates. Yeah, right? my, my roommate, Dewan Jones, is is running uh, his his either fourth or fifth, uh, uh, you know, charity boxing event at his gym. He owns a gym called the Transformation Lab in uh, the Sterling Heights area. He runs these, uh, has these boxing events every, you know, two, three months that raise money um, uh, for charity. So this one's the Christmas one, you know, raising uh, $10,000, and then we're going to take um, uh, families Christmas shopping uh, awesome. for for the holidays. So really excited to be a part of that. Um, taking at least forty families on a two hundred fifty dollars shopping spree, which is really really awesome opportunity for us just to give yeah. back in a lot of different ways. It's fantastic. And I would not want to deprive those people, or certainly not uh, Mr. Jones of your company, as I already have. I know you're going to be late. You know, having <laughs> it's all come. good. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I can keep you for four hours, man. But you know, you got you got like some charities to attend. <laughs> no to, doubt, too, man. I'll so. be back for sure. I, for anytime, sure. Darian Harris. I mean, I, you have so many titles. You're like Apollo Creed, you know, <laughs> a former player, and you're a future administrator. Really appreciate your time and all that you're doing for Michigan State. And I want to get next to uh, next time a little bit more into what you're doing, like with the kids. Yeah, and stuff. definitely. And, Absolutely. Um, there's so much I could talk to you about, but I'll let you get out of here. I appreciate you, man. Continued success to you. Appreciate it, man. Thank uh, you. Ben Augusta, Eric Williamson. Love you guys. Appreciate what you do. We'll be back soon. We'll keep you posted. Happy holidays. We'll see you soon. Thanks.